Hey everyone, welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host, and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome, so glad to have you. In this episode, we are going to take a look at what are the components of a well-constructed resume. What are some of the best ways to conduct yourself during an interview? And how do you stand out amongst your peers, especially if you have limited experience or no experience in the field? We're going to take a look at the best way you can present yourself in order to land your job, no matter what the job market looks like. One of the best things you can do is start by conducting some research. I would go to the ADHA website and take a look at the workforce issues. Find out where the shortage areas are so that you know exactly how you stand in the job market and what people are looking for. It's assumed that if there's a shortage, there's a shortage everywhere, or if there's an abundance of dental hygienists, there's an abundance everywhere. But that is just simply not true. And I encourage you to go to the ADHA website. There's a ton of information there, and that's not only going to help you understand where you fall in the potentials, but also what the needs are in the area that you are looking for a job. There are plenty of resources for you to seek and find employment. You can take a look at your college website. You can look on the internet at some of the job boards like Indeed or ZipRecruiter. You can take a look at your Dental Hygiene Association website. You could even potentially look on social media for Facebook ads. There's lots of dental groups. And networking with your peers is also a great way to find out about jobs and opportunities that are out there. And don't underestimate the word of mouth and some of the resources that are right next to you, your fellow students. Everybody finds out about jobs just before graduation or lack of jobs. And so it's really helpful to be supporting one another and networking with one another to really help each and every one of you as you work through the resume and interview process to be successful in finding a position. Now, a good resume may not land you the job, but a poorly written resume won't even get you an interview. So this is your first impression to a potential employer. So you want your resume to be well-constructed. And we're going to take a look at what that means. Think about the reasons why we present a resume. It is simply a marketing tool. And the primary purpose of the resume is to land an interview opportunity. You want your resume to highlight your achievements, your strengths, your attributes, and your expertise. And I know it's hard when you're just about to graduate, you don't feel like you have a lot of experience, but think about all of the opportunities that you've had in school to highlight some of your strengths and achievements. And that's where you want your focus to be. Before you begin to construct your resume, 
sit down and make a list of everything that you've done professionally and academically. When you're doing this, I want you to consider some of the relevant projects and experiences that you've had while you've been enrolled in school. Perhaps you could highlight your service learning project or some of the research that you've conducted. You also want to list out any volunteer work that you've done, and then you can go and review some of the job postings and descriptions that are out there on some of these websites and social media platforms to see how your strengths align with those job postings. So how can your resume be a standout? It's really important for you to review the job postings and tailor your resume to the job description that you are sending the resume to. So let's review some of the basic essential things for you to consider. The first thing is the appearance of your resume. You want it to be printed on neutral color paper and printed only on one side. You do not want your resume to be longer than one page and it has to be eight and a half by 11 paper with the margins at one inch. So these are some of the standard essentials of the appearance of your resume. You want it to be inviting and really easy to read with not too much information. You wanna present the information uniformly and in alignment. And if you are using a template in one of the Word documents, you wanna make sure that you customize it because you wouldn't wanna submit a resume that looks just like someone else's. You also wanna make sure that the font is 10 to 12 and it's Times Roman or Arial. The writing style, you want to use keywords from the posting position, right? That job description that you are applying to. Make sure some of those keywords in that job description are also in your resume. And you want to avoid writing complete sentences or paragraphs. You want to use an active voice and don't count on the computer to do the spell check for you. Proofread, 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 and do the edits. The goal of writing a good resume is professionalism and perfection. I can't stress the editing enough. Now, there are specific sections of your resume. You have the header, which has your contact information right at the top with your full name, your address, and the full address is optional. You also want to have your email address and telephone number because you want them to be able to get a hold of you. Consider what your summary looks like. Now, it comes first, right? But you write this last, and it really defines who are you and what can you do, right? So this is something you want to be thinking about. You want to be able to articulate who you are and what you can do. Why would they want to interview you? So an example of this would be a self-motivated dental hygienist seeking a position with a team-oriented patient-focused family practice atmosphere, something like that. The job description and the posting will help you figure out if you are in alignment with the job that you're seeking to do. So if you think about who you are and what you can do and your one-line sentence summary is in alignment with that job posting, 
most likely you may get an interview and you may be in alignment with that particular position. Let's talk about the summary. Who are you and what you can do? Let's talk about some of the examples of what you can put here. Because I think a lot of students struggle with realizing their potential. So the first thing is that you are a registered dental hygienist. And it's okay to write that you are a recent college graduate with professional experience in various dental care settings, because that is true with your community rotations and what you're doing in the clinical situation. You have strong clinical knowledge. You have met all of your competencies, and that is a fact that you have strong clinical knowledge. You are a dedicated clinician and patient-centered in every way. And you could even say that you're cheerful and detail-oriented. And I could say that about almost all of the dental hygiene students I've ever met. Some additional examples of who you are and what you're capable of doing is that you have exceptional abilities to multitask. You have outstanding interpersonal and communication skills. You're a team player, right? This is why you have team groups and you develop team norms while you're in school. You're a self-starter. As you progress through the program, your critical thinking skills become essential. And so it is okay to highlight that you are a self-starter and you have a positive attitude. A can-do attitude is usually a trait of a dental hygiene student. The next thing you want to highlight is your education. What degrees and majors that you've been educated on and the school, city, and state in which you earned those degrees. You want to list the highest degree first. And for some of you who have your bachelor's degrees before you came to earn your associate's degree in dental hygiene, you want to list the bachelor's degree first. And you only want to list schools that you've graduated from. If you went to a school and did part of your education there, do not list this as part of your resume. And if you had a GPA of 3.0 or above and you're a new grad, you want to make sure that you highlight that as part of your education accomplishments in your resume. As a new or recent graduate, another component of your resume should be professional experience and employment. And in this section, you can include some of your transferable skills maybe some of your volunteer experiences as it relates to the position. Perhaps you did an internship or your community clinic rotation is in alignment with this job position. And your special skills and certifications and licensures should also be listed. Perhaps you speak a second language. You want to make sure that you note that. Your dental hygiene license number should be on your resume and all of your certifications, your local anesthesia administration, your nitrous oxide administration, the fact that you are fluid in the use of Dentrix, EagleSoft, and Dexas, that you are certified to do whitening, and that you are CPR certified with the AED. All of these special skills should be highlighted in your resume. If you had a professional affiliation 
or belong to an organization, you want this listed on your resume. So for students enrolled in a dental hygiene program, they are members of the Student American Dental Hygienists Association. So you want that to be listed on your resume. And in the state in which you belong, you are a member of that Dental Hygienists Association. If you're an officer, you want to note the dates that you were part of SADA as well as the office in which you were part of so that that is clearly indicated on your resume. Now, references is a separate entity from the resume, and it's only given when asked for, and this is usually a sign that they are considering you for an interview. You want to ask people permission to put them as a reference. Verify the contact information of that person and keep yourself informed and follow up with those professional references. Put the reference sheet on the page with your header. Remember, your header has your name, address, and contact information. The cover letter allows you to introduce yourself to the organization. It's individualized with every single resume. Do not just make a blanket cover letter and send it to everyone. Now, the structure of the cover letter is a brief three-paragraph letter. You want to state the reason for submitting the resume, explain the reason for your interest in working with this particular practice, suggest meeting the employer in person, and provide your contact information and flexibility to prompt an interview. The format of your cover letter has six essential parts, the heading, the inside address, the salutation, the body, which is two parts, the closing, which is that third part of the letter, and then your signature is the final piece of the essential components of your cover letter. So you've written a great resume, you've got a really well formatted and constructed cover letter, and you've passed them out in the offices that you're looking for an interview, and now you find out you are getting an interview. So let's talk about the interview process. You want to be proactive and positive and begin with the end in mind, right? The end is landing the job. You want to consider the win-win opportunity and keep in mind the interviewer's point of view when you are answering questions and speaking. And there are different things that you have to consider. You want to wear professional attire, put yourself together really, really well and be polished. And you want to arrive early. You want to at least be punctual. And think about some of the sample questions that you may be asked. So you want to try to prepare yourself ahead of time on how you would answer some of the most common asked questions in the interview process. So some of the most common questions are, how would you describe yourself in a working environment? Are you a person that falls apart under pressure? So how, or are you a person that's easygoing and go with the flow? So how would you describe yourself in a working environment? And these are things that you want to be thinking about. Why do you feel you would like to work with this practice? 
This shows that you've done your research and you've checked out the practice. You've understood the job description and you've understood the culture of that practice. So you're better able to answer this question. How do you handle constructive criticism? Do you get defensive? Do you implode? Do you get angry? How do you handle constructive criticism? Because as an entry-level hygienist, there might be constructive criticism coming your way. What is your level of emotional intelligence? This is what the interviewer is looking to find out. How would you handle questions about fees from your patients? This is a difficult thing to navigate when you are fresh out of school and new to the field. How do you talk to patients about the cost of dentistry and the cost of treatment? Those are solid questions that probably will be asked of you in the interview process. So these are things that you want to prepare for so that you're not caught off guard when you're in the interview. Some additional questions. You might be asked, how would you handle an irate patient? And maybe you've had this experience in your clinical situation, and maybe you haven't. So something to think about. What specialized qualifications or education do you possess? So think back to when you were listing things out for your resume and build on that if that question is asked of you. It's important to know your why. Why did you become a dental hygienist? What motivates you and what moves you on the inside? Because if you know the answer to your why, Almost any question that comes your way, even if you're surprised or caught off guard, you can always go to your why. Uh, what part of your career interests you the most? That's a type of question that you may be asked because they want to know more about you. Now, the complicated part of the interview process are the questions centered around finances. And you will be asked in one way or another, what kind of salary are you seeking? Or what is the minimum pay you will accept? Or would you be willing to start lower at this rate and work towards this rate? So you want to be thinking about the answers to those questions and how you'll respond to those before you get into the interview. These are really important things so that your interview is smoother. Now, you also have an opportunity to ask questions when you are in the interview. So some of the clinical questions you may ask are, what kind of instruments are used in the office? And is the employer willing to order instruments that maybe they don't have and you desire? Are the instruments all shared among all the dental hygienists in the office? Or does each hygienist have their own specific instruments? You might ask, what are the protocols for referrals? And to what extent are the OSHA standards practiced? Like these are important questions. There are questions you don't wanna ask. Don't ask for schedules to be altered before you've even been offered the position. And don't say that you don't have any questions at all. There are scheduling questions that you can ask. For example, who schedules the dental hygiene appointments? And what recall or recare system is practiced in this office? What's expected when the patient fails an appointment? This will give you an idea of the culture of this office. And how much time do I have for hygiene appointments for adults, children, new patients, patients with and without x-rays? Those are legitimate, safe questions to ask. 
Once you've finished the interview, you may be asked to do a working interview, which is typically the next step for some practices. This gives you an opportunity for you to get to know the practice a little bit and show off your clinical skills and for the practice to learn a little bit more about you. You will be observed on what your interpersonal skills are with patients and what your relationship skills are with coworkers. The working interview is an advantage for the applicant for you to do. It's also advantageous for the employer to, to kind of a get to know you phase. This provides you with an opportunity to get to know personalities a little bit more because you've spent a day with these people that you'll be hopefully working with. One thing I just want you to keep in mind is that this is not a forever decision. If you are offered a position and you accept the position, and then there are things that occur when you are working in this practice that you don't agree with or that are not in alignment with you, your core values and beliefs, it is okay to sever the relationship and move on and use your interviewing techniques to be more mindful moving forward. You will experience setbacks in your professional life. And those setbacks are really just set ups for your next opportunity. So don't feel like as you're graduating that you have to find your forever office because that the reality is that probably won't happen. Just take it one step at a time. Find an office where it seems like a good fit that you can develop your core skills and really grow as a clinician. It may not be a position that you stay in for a long time, and that's okay too. You will use your interviewing and resume writing skills in the future, and that's okay. You just want to find that first opportunity to have a chance to develop your skills. So don't put too much pressure on yourself to find the perfect job. If you finished an interview at an office and you walk out feeling a little befuddled, or maybe you feel really great about it, uh, and you think, oh my gosh, I totally nailed it, I'm going to get that job, and then you don't land the job, how do you deal with that? What I want you to think about is that sometimes we can't see all the reasons why things occur. And if you were not offered the position, it's probably because it wasn't the position for you anyway. And there's things that you don't know about that office that just are not a good fit. So what I'd like to say is learn from the experience on your reflection on how well you feel you did in the interview and how well prepared you were for the interview. But also know that you can't know everything about that particular job and position and that you don't always know why they made the decision not to hire you and that it just wasn't a good fit. But what I've discovered is that when it's not a good fit, it's probably best that you were not offered the job because it saves you a lot of trouble and grief in the long run. So don't get discouraged if you go to an interview and you feel like it went really, really well but then you don't end up getting offered the position. There are things outside of your control that probably contributed to that decision-making process that in the end end up being very helpful for you moving forward. So I don't want you to get discouraged and it can be easy to get discouraged 
If you go on several interviews in a really competitive job market and you repeatedly don't get the call back. So you might go back and take a look at your resume again or take a look at how you've written your cover letter because remember, that's your marketing strategy to get yourself the interview. And then you might want to take a look at some of the interviewing techniques and really be honest with how well you think the interview went and how you answered the questions. What was your body language? How were you interacting? Were you displaying your confident, self-assured self or were you displaying an inner critic of doubt? So these are things to really be honest and open with yourself about so that moving forward, you can make some adjustments. But do know that it's not always just about you and what you've brought to the table. It's about the office and what they're looking for. And sometimes that fit's just not there and you might not understand all the why behind it. My advice to you is to just press on, continue to grow, reflect, and persevere. Thanks for listening today. Join me next time when we will be discussing the TMJ anatomy and function. The temporomandibular joint is a really important synovial joint and one that needs to be really well understood by the dental hygienist. A lot of patients present in the clinical setting with some kind of dysfunction or discomfort with the TMJ. So it's important for you to understand the anatomy, the functions, as well as some of the dysfunctions and the reasons behind them and how they occur in the clinical setting. I hope you join me. I would invite you to ask any questions at all that you need answered. Sometimes questions come up when you're listening to this podcast. If you have a question, most likely someone else has the very same question. I'd be happy to answer it and would probably share it in a future podcast.